Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, it is so good to see you. You have no idea. It was one year ago today, on this Sunday, I was here in the sanctuary alone, speaking to a camera, juggling my my tablet, uh, trying to play music on it while also trying to sing hymns. It didn't work out so well. Also conducting the liturgy. I remember checking the stats on the live stream afterwards and, and seeing 180 views and thinking, wow, and I got a nice little ego boost. But it was only after that that I realized that that's just how many times I refresh the page to, to check the audio and check the video and check again. But as I'm sure uh, it was for many of you, it was surreal. It was unbelievable. It was even scary. We are not made to be alone. It is not good to be in solitude. That's exactly why God tells us to come together as a church. None of us saw this coming even two weeks before it happened. But on that Sunday, on that Laetare Sunday 2020, even separated, we all rejoiced all the same. We sang many of the same hymns that we are today. We had the same intro it. The words of Psalm 122 were never more real to me. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. The people of Jerusalem had been standing in its gates, waiting, longing to get into the house of the Lord, and now, finally, like us, they can go in. We heard those same words. I wore my same rose pink stole. We prayed the same colic. We heard the same gospel lesson. The feeding of the 5,000, and, and the gospel lesson, the feeding of the 5,000, the idea that we can rejoice even in the midst of sorrow, that there's a little rose in the midst of the deep penitential violet of Lent, that, that God provides even in the desert, that we have bread even in the desert. It was all as fitting then as it still is today. In our gospel lesson, a large crowd has followed Jesus. And they followed him because they've seen the, the miraculous signs He's been performing. He's been healing the sick. No catch, no shot, no vaccine, just healing. If we didn't understand why so many people would go out to see Jesus then, we certainly do now. John says there were about 5,000 men. That doesn't even include the women and the children. So this, it's not unreasonable to assume that there are about 10,000 people here out to see Jesus. The capacity of the Alliant Energy Center up in Madison, the, the, the Coliseum, is 10,231. I looked it up the other day. That's larger than, than the size of the village of Oregon. And they follow Jesus, these 10,000 people, around the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. Now, this lake is, is 8 miles wide and 13 miles long. And John says they walked around it. They ran around it to get to Jesus ahead of him. So, at minimum, that's a 10-mile uh, three-hour walk back home if there's no traffic jam. 
And you don't need, you don't need cars for a traffic jam. Uh, try taking those 10,000 people from the Alliant Energy Center and, and, and making them walk here. That's about 10 miles up to, up to there. But instead of having them walk down the highway, put them on a narrow dirt path through a desert around the lake. And if one person faints from hunger along the way, or if somebody falls over, a, a herd of 10,000 people doesn't just stop. This is a dangerous, potentially deadly situation that they found themselves in, especially without food. And the disciples know this, and what do they do? Philip says, exasperated, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough. Even if we had that much money, it would not be enough to feed all these people. Andrew says sarcastically, probably as he's throwing up his arms, well, there's a boy here who has five loaves of, of bread and, and two fish, but, but what's that for so many people? Uh, there's no way to feed 10,000 people. This takes days and weeks of planning. Uh, even the U.S. Army could not feed that many people on a whim. There was just not enough. They're in panic mode. They don't know what's going to happen. We saw this a year ago, didn't we? Almost overnight, everything just shut down. Why? Fears of not having enough. Fears over not having enough hospitals or hospital beds. Not enough masks. Not enough toilet paper. And we're still afraid. Are there enough vaccines? Is there enough help? Will there be enough money? Perhaps the worst thing for the disciples is that Jesus is the one who led them there in the first place. Jesus created this mess, this situation, this mess. Jesus should have known better. He should have known better than to, than to lead them here. But of course he did. Of course Jesus knew. That's why he led them there. Because he also knows what he's going to do. Have the people sit down, Jesus says. Luke says that Jesus had them sit down in groups of about 50, basically large family units. And this is so different than our panicked reactions to a crisis. We don't sit down. A year ago, I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But Jesus says, sit down. It's going to be okay. And then he prays. He blesses the five loaves of bread and two fish. Notice, it's still not enough. Or it doesn't seem like it. still doesn't seem like it's enough. It's still only five loaves and two fish. And yet Jesus gives thanks for that, for what they do have. He's directing the disciples not to what they don't have, but to what they do. And what they do have actually is enough. It's enough for each and every family. Not just enough for the many, not just, oh, there'll be enough someday, but enough for you right now. That's the power of the gospel. It's the word that, that makes what is not enough to actually be enough. It's in times of crisis that when, when we lose control and we have no idea what to do, that's precisely when the rubber hits the road, road for the message of justification. And you realize the gospel is not some silly cliche, not some hypothetical. It's everything. 
It's power and grace. It's death and life, eternal life. But that's the problem with the crowd. They don't care about the word. They care about the bread. They're still not focused on eternal life. They, they still want Jesus to keep healing and, and, and making bread. I read that some county was having trouble directing the amount of traffic to, to hand out the vaccine, and, and, and so they needed help uh, directing traffic. And who did they call? An expert in directing traffic, Chick-fil-A. And that's what they want to do with Jesus. They see how quickly Jesus solved that problem. Here, let's put him in charge of the bread. He knows how to do it. Let's make him king. Jesus is there to give out the bread of life himself, and they're concerned about wonder bread. In their minds, if Jesus is king, they'll never again have to, have to worry. They'll never again be hungry. They'll never have to fear, uh, uh, worry or fear about crises like this ever again. They can sit and just be filled. So Jesus, knowing that it is better for them to not be filled on earthly things, but to be in want, withdraws from them to the mountain again by himself. Jesus goes into solitude. And what he's teaching is this. Fear and faith, vulnerability and faith, need and faith, these are not mutually exclusive. More often than not, they go hand in hand. Jesus didn't perform this miracle because the disciples' faith was so strong and, and he was rewarding, rewarding them. Here you go, guys. Good job. Here's a free meal on me. Pizza party. He led them there. He led all the people there and gave them bread because their faith was weak. He had compassion on them. When you and I are faced with our lack of control, when you're faced with your mortality, uh, when you're faced with your vulnerability, as we have, so been, have been so many times this past year, that connects you with the gospel promise that Jesus makes today. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the living bread which has come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I give for, eternal, for the life of the world is my flesh. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. He says, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Paul Gerhardt, uh, who I've mentioned many times before, understood this. He, he lived through hardships and a plague that would make us blush. And he wrote these words, speaking of Jesus' body and blood. This is verse 8 of the hymn, A Lamb Goes Uncomplaining Forth. We, we sang it just a couple of minutes ago. He said, This treasure ever I'll employ, this every aid shall yield me. In sorrow it shall be my joy. In conflict it shall shield me. Enjoy the music of my feast. And when all else has lost its zest, this manna still shall feed me. In thirst my drink, in want my food my company in solitude to comfort and to lead me. 
Christ will not let you faint on the way home. By the power of the cross and the empty tomb, Jesus comes to you and I in the flesh. And with the same power of the gospel that multiplied five loaves of bread and two fish to feed 10,000 people, he says, take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of all your sins. With his holy body and blood, whereby he has made full satisfaction of all your sins, he strengthens and preserves you in the one true faith to life everlasting. By the miracle that God provides each and every Sunday, our food, our drink, our company, this is our motivation to go out and not worry about what we don't have, but to share what we do, just as we saw the early believers do in Acts chapter 2. Every Sunday they continue to hold firmly to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the gathering, and to the breaking of the bread. And then during the week, they were selling their possessions and property and were distributing the proceeds according to what anyone needed. Jesus always provides for his church. Even in the desert, God provided bread. And here in the desert of this sinful world, though the storms may gather plague or any other crisis, Jesus provides what we need. So let us give thanks to God for what God does and will provide. And let us rejoice and be glad with Jerusalem. We may feed and be satisfied with Jesus. Rejoice, Laetare. In Jesus' name, amen.